the gospel, Lord. Your power, your love, has saved my soul. Now I'm alive in you. I live in the risen sun. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Lord.
Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's pray for a moment here. God, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have won the victory. Because you've won the victory, all of history changed, all the, the, the direction of humanity. And our course was changed forever, God. We thank you that you have come for us, that you've loved us, and that you've saved us. And because of all that you have done, because of all that you did, God, we know that you are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of the effort and the energy and the heart and the voice that we lift to you this morning, God. We know that you are worthy of all power, all wisdom, all strength. God, you are worthy of all honor honor and glory, power and praise forever and ever. Amen. song we could ever sing worthy of every praise we could ever bring
Show us your glory, Lord. 
Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory. Amen. Kids, come on up. We're going to pray for you. And um, all the kids, come on up. And we're going to spend some time with the Lord in prayer. And for any adults that you feel like you need to come, there's a heavy burden you're carrying. You just need the Lord to help you with that burden. By all means, please feel free to come and pray. And if not, you may be seated. It looks like most of us are already seated and uh, I, have, I just want to thank the Lord for our praise and worship team who uh, leads us into the throne room every Sunday and Wednesday when we have opportunity to meet together. I'm grateful for them. Do you uh, echo the same sentiment? Let them know it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you allow us to be anything, to do anything specifically to come into your house and to worship you. It is a real privilege for all of us to come here uh, this morning and to uh, just worship you, to sing your praises. These words reflect not only what the song uh, writer who wrote them, but they express our heart, uh, our attitude toward you. And we want you to know that we are so grateful for all the good things that you've done in our lives. This morning, God, would you receive our praise, our worship, our attitudes, Lord God. We want them to reflect one that says, thank you, God. As much as we would come to ask for anything, before we do that, we want to praise you. We want to thank you. We're here to worship you, to magnify your great name. And uh, so you're the guest of honor in this place. We hope that you are pleased with our expression of praise and worship this morning. We want to lift up to you, God, these uh, little ones as they're getting ready to go to Children's Church. We pray that you would just anoint their time, that as they're there together, worshiping you, learning about you, getting into your word. We pray, God, for our leaders, our workers, God, that you would just help them to uh, convey these deep truths in a way that these young people can understand them, that they would go beyond even just this Sunday, but long into the future, they'd be able to remember uh, the good things that they've learned in Children's Church. And we thank you then in advance for the good thing that you're getting ready to do there. We want to lift up to you every person who's in here this morning, not just the children, but all of our adults and senior adults, people that are in the sound booth up in the upstairs uh, area doing the, the uh, video. We want to pray for the nursery people and all those toddlers and infants over there, the people that are on this platform, God. We want to pray for them. An inclusive prayer that we would all sense you in a real and mighty way this morning, that there would be the opportunity for every person who's come to church to experience church not just as a, a thing to, to do, but God, more importantly, that we could all experience being the church, your bride, that you're coming, uh, that someday you'll split the clouds and we'll meet you in the sky, that every person here this morning would be able to experience you in that kind of a, of a manner, that we would know that we know that we've been with the living God. Thank you this morning 
that you'll do that for any person who will open up their heart for you to do that in. So we thank you in advance for the good thing that you're going to do. We pray for the anointing of your word, that whatever it is that we talk about here is not coming from the imagination of any human being, but that it would come directly from your heart, directly from your mind, that this morning we would be able to weigh these things and rightly divide them as they're applied to our conscience, to our lives, Lord God, that we would recognize that it's the living God who is speaking to us. May we open up our attitudes to be able to do that this morning. And we know if we do that, we will benefit. We want to ask, Lord, a blessing upon the offering, the tithes and offering as the ushers are coming forward. We just want to ask that every single gift and giver, uh, that you would bless each and that every uh, good thing that we bring in would be used for the growth of your kingdom. Ultimately, that it might glorify your great name. We love you this morning, Lord God. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. All right, kiddos, we'll see you later. Welcome into God's house, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning. Hope that you're having a, just a terrific time in, in church. And uh, we're going to get into God's word here in a little bit. My name is Steve Sanchez. I'm the lead pastor here at Waco Community Fellowship. And for our visitors, we're glad you're here this morning. We hope that you're able to connect not only with God, but our people as well. That there's going to be a good opportunity for you to make friends with someone that will last for years to come. In any event, we have some announcements we want to share with you. So if you have your worship folder, go ahead and take that out and we'll look at it together. We do have a, visit, a visitation training uh, tomorrow night right here in the sanctuary. Actually, you know, tomorrow with the lighting, that uh, training might be in the fellowship hall. So if you come in here and there's all kinds of scaffolding in here and there aren't any chairs, we're going to move it right into the fellowship hall over there. Okay, don't panic. We're, we're going to have the meeting, and, uh, but it's going to be probably shifted to the fellowship hall. In any event... Uh, Pastor Judy is going to be training those people who want training for hospital visitation uh, where, like, say, for instance, we have any of our own people who might end up in the hospital that we want our lay people to be uh, ready to go do that visitation. Well, you might be a person who says, I'm willing to go do it. I just wouldn't know what to do. And uh, so that training is going to be available for you tomorrow. Um, and that, like I said, it's going to be right in the fellowship hall. Well, together with that same announcement, there's going to be uh, training uh, also, uh, with regard to an app that we have on our phones, and that app is a Servant Keeper app. So the, the purpose of that uh, app is to get our people to have all the information that they might need in order to go do a visit. Now, whether it's a hospital visit or it's maybe a visitor, a visitor that we've had come and we want to visit those people, or maybe someone you haven't seen in a long time and you just want to go and visit them. Regardless of what kind of visitation it might be, it might be a shut-in ministry as well. Well, all the information that we have on those individuals will be on that uh, Servant Keeper app. And, uh, but there's a lot of people who would say, I wouldn't even know the, the, at all how to use something like that. Um, there's many of us that are kind of afraid of technology, and I won't ask you to raise your hands, but uh, it's, uh, it's not something to be afraid of. It's a, a valuable tool if you know how to use it. And so that's why we're trying to provide for our people uh, an opportunity to learn that, that um, technology. And so that will be tomorrow uh, accompanied with the visitation 
uh, training, and so that'll be tomorrow at 6.30, and that'll probably be in the fellowship hall, okay? If you have further questions about any of that, please feel free to get with one of us, uh, staff, or, or I don't see Ms. Rochelle this morning, but uh, in any event, you can call the office tomorrow for more information, and uh, we'll, we'll get you that information as soon as we can, okay? Um, other things we have going on, there's a blue, ben- blue bonnet party at the Sprosses on Sunday, April 14th, and that will be at 4 p.m. That's a Sunday, so it'll be after the services, and uh, it'll give you enough time to get home and change and eat or whatever you want to do to get ready to go. And um, if you need directions how to get out there, uh, for sure we have those directions that we can uh, help you out with. But if you look at the announcement itself, um, the church provides hamburgers, hot dogs, and buns, and then it's up to us to bring the, the kind of the side things like the chips, beans, salad, desserts, or whatever other thing that makes you famous. That you cook it and people in other counties talk about it. Then that's what you should bring to this, uh, this time together. And then that way we can all sample it and brag on you even more. And uh, so uh, bring enough for everybody. You know, don't just bring a little dish like that. That's like the worst thing that a person does at a potluck. When you bring something like that big, honestly, and you bring like just enough for like two people, so if you're in the back of the line, and then it's time for your, 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 your you know, to serve yourself, and it's all gone. And so no, make, make something big, and then bring it. And then that way, if, even if you have to take home leftovers, more the merrier, right? That's what I always say. Anyway, um, if you have uh, any questions at all about that uh, blue bonnet party at the Sprosses, uh, see one of us. And um, in fact, uh, Miss Miss uh, Donna, Brother Harvey, raise your hands. And then, if you don't know who those folks are, just that's those, those are the Sprosses right there, and they'll be able to give you directions or information that you might need. All right? Okay. Wonderful. Well, let's go ahead and get in the Word this morning. And um, is it a little warm in here? Let's uh, let's turn on some AC. Whoever knows how to do that, let's just do that. I uh, give you the permission to do that, whoever knows how to do that, because that way we're not in here falling asleep, um, and I'm not up here sweating. There are times, honestly, whenever I've been preaching up here, and I feel like an order of fries underneath a heat lamp at a fast food restaurant, and it's because it's hot. And then all of a sudden, then you see people just either fanning themselves or dozing off, and it's not your fault. It's just hot. And so we don't want to, you know, be hot in here. Another thing, too, is that, for instance, uh, when we get to the summer months, how many of you guys have ever been cold in air conditioning? Bring blankets. And there, nobody will look down their nose at you if you do it. And uh, bring it, enough blankets for maybe somebody else. Because if you're, um, if you're hot, you can only take off so many clothes. Amen? amen? You should say amen more passionately than that. <laughs> you can only take off so many clothes. But uh, if you're cold, you can put clothes on. You can put blankets on, so we're going to keep it cooler than hotter. And uh, so uh, if somebody shows up to church in a, in a ski mask, then we're maybe overdoing it a little bit uh, where it's too cold. But we're going to try not to do that and make sure that as many people that can be comfortable are going to be comfortable. So thank you, gentlemen, for uh, adjusting the air conditioner. You know, it's interesting that like around this time of year, uh, in the morning, you turn on your heater in your car, and in the afternoon, you're turning on your air conditioner. And so it can't make up its mind if it wants to be hot or cold. And, and so we, we just try to be flexible. And we'll try to do that here in the church as well. All right. Well, I'd like you to turn to Galatians. And we kind of left off there in Galatians. And we are talking about uh, the works of the sinful nature or the works of the flesh. And uh, we're getting ready to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so... 
on the heels of our discussion, uh, probably about a month's worth of First John and talking about holiness and what that is, what that means for the believer, it was a good thing for us to make the transition talking about what the Holy Spirit does, that when uh, we talk about, you know, that God has called us to be holy, uh, we're a holiness denomination, the Church of the Nazarene is, we are um, uh, people that believe in something called entire sanctification, that God can take us and uh, beyond even just what, what, what's done at salvation when he purifies us from sin, that he can actually take us and separate us from ourselves so that we're not selfish anymore, that we can be filled with God's Holy Spirit and we don't have to be full of ourselves. And, um, and you know, sometimes people have not made that transition in churches. It's not because necessarily that they don't want to make the transition. Some people are just not aware that there's something more, that God wants to form us into the image of his son Jesus, that we don't look like us, we look like Jesus. How many of us have ever been guilty of still looking like ourselves? That's when you raise your hand. Yeah, all of us. On some level, we kind of just revert back to, or we've never even left on the first point, kind of, you know, what, what we're all about, you know, uh, kind of our, our thing, you know. How many of you guys have ever made a declaration, this is my pet peeve? You ever made that declaration? And then you name the pet peeve that's your, your deal. And uh, people kind of know you. Listen, I, I was guilty of that one when I came into the faith. I remember how uh, people would say things like, uh, don't talk to that guy until about 10 o'clock in the morning. He is just not a morning person. If you do, he'll bite your head off. That, that's, and I worked in a Christian ministry. That's what's the crazy part. I was working at this Christian ministry. Uh, I'd given my life to Christ, and, and I'm working at this Christian ministry, and yet I still was kind of acting like this where, you know, I'd walk in with a henio in the morning. It would be about 6 o'clock when I'd get there. I worked a shipping and receiving job, and I'd walk in there, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't make eye contact with anybody. I'd get in there. I'd make boxes. That was one of my jobs, to make a bunch of boxes for the production people, and I'd make the boxes, throw them in, inside the conveyor area where they would assemble all the Bibles on cassette, and you guys remember cassettes? And uh, we, the, the production people would be inside the conveyor, and they would just kind of assemble those um, Bibles on cassette. But I would make my boxes, and I wouldn't say anything to anybody. And I remember one time this poor lady who was new, uh, they just hired her, and she didn't know anything about me or, you know, my reputation or anything like that. And uh, she says, uh, hey, uh, I'm wondering, could you make me about another 25 more boxes? I heard somebody else say to her, don't talk to him until later in the morning. He's just real cranky. Just not, he's just not a nice person. I was holding on to that. It was kind of like a reputation that I had. How many of us have ever been kind of uh, where we feel a loyalty, an obligation to be the person that we've kind of, we're known as? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, for instance, if you're kind of a, a, a kind of a, a snarky type of a person, someone who's got a sharp edge, 
You kind of feel like you have to be loyal to that reputation to be, continue to be snarky, even sometimes when the Holy Spirit would tell you, listen, let your gentleness be evident to all. Well, you hear that, and you think, well, babe, everybody kind of knows me to be someone who's kind of a smart aleck, someone who kind of has a, a sharp edge to them, and, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm known that way. And I almost feel obligated to, to stay that person, even over and above sometimes when God is saying, don't be that person. And what it is is uh, we have this reluctance to let go of us. When we, when we talk about the death of the flesh, right, we have, to ha- we have to crucify the flesh, that we have to hang the old man on the cross, right? There's nothing easy about hanging the old man on the cross. One of the things that we probably will talk about, is, at least while I'm the pastor here, a lot will be these Garden of Gethsemane moments. Every single one of us has Garden of Gethsemane moments regularly, or at least we should be. Because there is this realization that we're with God and that God is requiring that we have to die in some form or fashion, whether it's your attitude, whether it's a disposition. Let's make it real tonight, this morning. Let's talk about when's the last time that as a, uh, as a married couple that the Holy Spirit tapped you on the shoulder and told you to, to be nice? I don't want to be nice. My husband is acting like an idiot. My wife is just being a real jerk. And they don't deserve for me to be nice to them, Lord. Anybody have moments like that? I mean, and there's, so there's this, this confrontation of the flesh when the Holy Spirit will make something known and now I know it, now I'm aware that I'm supposed to be nice, and yet I don't want to be nice. And so this is where we talk about the crucifixion of the flesh, that we have to hang the old man on the cross, we have to put him to death, however you want to say it. We realize that we're having to say no to what we want. The issue that we were talking about last week, if you recall, that there's what the spirit wants and there's what the flesh wants. And they're not the same thing, and it's why. It's so that you don't do what you want. If you're a believer this morning, if we're Christians, we say we want to do what God wants. Amen? We want to do what God wants. Well, as much as we want to do what God wants, it's not always that easy. It's not just to skip through the daisies it's, or the blue bonnets. How about that? It's just not that easy. And so what it requires is that I have to say no to what I want so that I can say yes to what he wants. This is the rub. This is where we really kind of find out who we are. We get to look in the mirror and let the Holy Spirit help us uh, to sort through that. So in uh, chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to um, Galatians chapter 5. This is what we read, and we'll kind of review it a little bit. And so verse 16, I'll be reading out of the NIV this morning, the old version. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, immorality and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, 
orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's what we were talking about last week. This is kind of where we left off. Now, when we uh, examine the sinful nature, understand about the sinful nature, the carnal nature, uh, the flesh, um, the sinful nature, however you want to say it, these are, these are all interchangeable with my name or your name. This, it's, who, it's who you are as, if you're going to be selfish. Because a person has a sin nature does not mean necessarily that they are sinful. From the sin nature comes sin if we don't say no to the sin nature. The nature that you're born with, the flesh, the very fact that you are the seed of Adam, meaning that you were born into sin, you were born with that nature. Okay? Every single one of us, it doesn't matter who we are this morning, you were born with that nature. With, that, with, the, with the idea that I was born with that kind of a, of a predisposition that I'm, I want what I want. Now, if you don't believe that, go into the nursery. Do some duty in the, in the, in the nursery here. And you'll find very quickly, when I'm, when I'm in my office in the weekdays, and I have my door closed, my, my office is pretty close to where the nursery is. And they have that one door open. Sometimes it's even closed. And I can hear somebody raising cane in there. I mean, it's some little person, little loaf of bread, little burrito or whatever, little thing. And they make noise like you can't imagine. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they are, they are loud. And they want what they want. And that poor lady who's in there, what's her name? Allison. She does a terrific job. But let me just tell you, Allison does not have eight arms. And she can do only what she can do. She's trying to make everything work in there. And this one individual, sometimes there's two, sometimes there's three of them. They kind of feed off each other. And pretty soon after a while, they're all screaming and yelling. And it's amazing because Allison, she's good. She's just in there like, no problem. Okay, we're going to take care of this one. We're going to take care of that one. We get this one. And pretty soon they have the little music playing, and it's quiet in there. But I'll tell you this. These little people, these, that's what they are. They're little people. They want what they want. They have not been trained that way. They're born that way. They're born to want what they want. Human beings, that's who we are. We're born this way, and we have to fight that kind of a, an attitude, if we're going to be believers, when we give our lives to Christ, that very real fact that we want what we want is still there. When you give your, listen, let's kind of back the train up. I'm not going to assume that anybody knows this. And if it's review for some of you, well, then you'll just have to be patient. Jesus said that he'd go after the one. He'd leave the 99 behind to go after the one. And there might be one person in here who's never heard this. So we're going to do it. Let me say this. When we give our lives to Jesus, you come up and you pray the sinner's prayer and you invite Christ into your life, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Well, the beginning of what, Pastor? Well, it's the beginning of learning how to say yes to God and no to myself. That's the beginning. And when you begin that way, you have to be taught. That's why when Jesus talks about being born again, he's talking about some little tiny little thing that has to be taught everything. Uh, that little ba those little babies in that room... Allison has to do everything for them, like everything. Making bottles, changing diapers, rocking, rocking little ones to sleep. I mean, everything she's doing in there, it has to be done for them because they can't do it for themselves. At the beginning, when you give your life to Jesus, 
you're likened to a baby, just a little baby that needs everything done for them. That's the beginning. And development has to take place. And so that's why things like discipleship and mentoring, these kinds of things are important. Coming to church and getting into Bible studies, having uh, some kind of uh, an accountability partner, all these things work together to help this person who has been living life on their terms, uh, in their own understanding, in the darkness and the futility of their own minds, the Bible says, that they're being brought into light. And now they have to address this new way of living. Well, the process is a painful one. I think sometimes we think that when somebody comes to Christ, it's just blue bonnets and butterflies and cotton candy. Oh, praise the Lord, wonderful. When we watch somebody be baptized, people have tears and there's smiles and there's genuine happiness for that individual. And there should be. But one thing that I've realized in years of ministry, years of being a a pastor, there's still a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that's happening to that individual as they're trying to find their way. There's still a lot of bumps and bruises. There's still a lot of struggling that, that... as much as we're happy for them, we realize about their lives because it happened in our lives and for some of us it's still happening that it's this daily battle to say no to the flesh, to say no what Steve wants, to say no to whatever your name is this morning, that there is this daily battle. Sometimes it's not even daily, is it? How many guys have felt that struggle hour by hour? How about minute by minute? These are real for people. And what we're trying to do is is help them to understand that when they gave their lives to Jesus at the beginning, that now is when the work starts. Now is when all the hardship of, of having to crucify the flesh, it's beginning. I had somebody come into the office the other day and they said, Pastor, you know, I feel like almost I, I made some right choices and right decisions, and I feel like I'm being attacked. You ever, you ever wonder about that? You say, well, what? I made some right choices, right decisions, and it should be easy for me now, right? Right? I mean, right, Pastor? And even some of us that are mature in the faith, you kind of just, you smile. It's not because you're laughing at them, but you just understand that they don't know certain things about this decision that they made for Christ is that now the devil's going to attack that good decision that they've made. It's not an easy decision that a person makes to follow Jesus. It's a decision to die. It's a decision to say no to what I want. Well, who signs up for that, Pastor? Well, here's some of the good things that we get. And we're going to talk about the, word, the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that this morning because this is, listen, if that's all there was, what, you, what you're talking about this morning, pastor, is just death and dying and all, man, who needs that? Who's going to sign up for that? How many are grateful for the hope of heaven? <laughs> I'm excited for heaven. 
Uh, I mean, it's going to be awesome. We were listening to a song about heaven this morning on the way to church. And it just, ah, oh, it's going to be glorious. You read some of the things that, that, that heaven's described as, and you think, man, that's going to be just over the top. It's going to be awesome. Before we get to heaven, however, there's some good things that God has for our lives. The death, yeah, there's death. There's self-denial. Absolutely, there's all of that. But there are good things that come from our willingness to say no to that flesh. In verse 19, it says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. In verse 22, it says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do you think, would you say that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is something that should be obvious as well? Why? Well, let me ask you a question, and then I just, a couple people, a few people, whatever you, you feel comfortable to speak back. Why do you think the fruit of the Holy Spirit should be obvious? Why? What? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus is there, right? Okay, good. What, what, you said something? Okay, God in us, right? Yeah, good. What else? Anybody else? Why should the fruit of the Holy Spirit be obvious? It's real love in us, right? It's, it's real as opposed to counterfeit or, or worldly love. or yeah, Right, good. Okay, and th th listen, listen, what this brother is talking about here, do we believe as believers, as Christian people, that God is more powerful than sin. Do we, do we, but do we believe that? We know in a general statement, yes. We would say, yes. Look, uh, Pastor, God is greater than sin. The power of God is greater than the power of sin. As a general statement. But when we begin to look in the mirror and say, okay, is there anything in my life that kind of has me by the tail? Um, you know, I've dealt with people in churches, Christian people, that, man, they just are having a difficult time with their tongue. They have a difficult time with their attitude. They have a difficult time, you know, trying to be nice, show love. And so now when you make it specific, not even just pinpointing what the thing is, but making it specific to each individual, and you say, well, I'm over here, and it feels like the power of whatever the thing is over your life seems to be greater than the power of God. And we, we quote it. We say, greater is he who lives in me than he that lives in the world. We quote it, but we're not living it. And so how do we, how do we get to that point where we can actually bridge that gap? And we can say, you know what, the power of God, general sense, we know it's bigger than the power of sin. How, how do I bridge the gap in my life to make it bigger for me? How, how do I do that? Right? And the issue that we have here is that it's a, it's a, uh, uh, a question of fruit, right? Notice it doesn't say fruits. I've heard people say before the fruits, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not fruits. It's fruit. 
Like, for instance, if you've ever gone to a buffet where there's a lot of different kinds of fruits, here's some pears, and here's some peaches, and here's some apples, and here's some bananas, and, and, and those are fruits. Those are different ones. And you know why? Because they come from different trees. And when we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about one tree. We're not talking about different trees. We're talking about one tree. We're talking about one source. And when you say, okay, well, how many of us have ever made the declaration, uh, okay, let's start to list them. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. They're listed there, right? How many of us have ever made a declaration reading such a list that we say, I'm pretty good with love, but not so good with patience? Anybody ever made that, that declaration, you know, with regard to uh, a component of any of that list? Or maybe there's a couple of them that you say, I just need to work on those. And so here's what we start to do. We start to, you know, apply our, our willpower toward it. And we say, I'm, I'm going to, you know, try harder to, to uh, be more gentle or, or to be more patient or to express love. And, and I'm going to work harder and I'm going to make a more concerted effort to do it, you know, and, and just grit my teeth. And so I'm going to commit willpower. Some of us will think, well, I'm just going to go ahead and try to make myself smarter on those subjects. So I'll read a book on it. I'll, you know, find the, the latest author that has the, the biggest uh, audience of, and they're experts in those fields. And then if I could just read those books and that will help me. So we try to go, uh, maybe not willpower, but maybe we try to apply it cognitively. We have a lot of different sources and we're trying to go to all these different sources. But if you wanted any of these things that belong to the Holy Spirit, if, if you lack in any of those areas, who's the person you should go to? You got to go to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you got to go to God. And that might seem simplistic. But I don't know that it's as simplistic as, as we would say just off the top of the bat. I think that there's this element with the Christians that we just are not spending time with the Lord like we should. We're not praying the way that we should. Let's go back to this story. When I was uh, this individual, you just didn't go to me before 10 o'clock. After 10 o'clock, I was all right. I was cool. You know, we could talk and maybe laugh or whatever and just, yeah, that's fine. And, but before 10 o'clock, I just was not a nice individual. And I remember the pastor, uh, the church where I was going, he was talking about having a, a, a real time with God where we could confront our sinful nature. It was in a service like this one. And I remember sitting in the back, and as the pastor was preaching, I felt like he was talking to me, like he was looking at me more than anybody else. Uh, the, and it was a big church, so I mean, the fact that he could probably even see me back there and make eye contact with me would not be possible. But when that's happening, you feel like that's what's happening, right? You ever felt that way? So I felt like he was talking directly to me. And as, as the Holy Spirit begins to just work me over, I felt like a, like, remember Rocky? He go into the meat locker and it had those slabs of meat hanging there. Bam, 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 bam. That's what I felt like. I felt like the word of God 
was working me over, man. And everything that he was saying applied to my life, everything. There was nothing left on the table. And so by the time it was, it was the altar call, and he gave an altar call every service, I didn't even wait for it. I just knew I had to go up there. Because everything he was saying applied to my life. And the, the, the specificity of the call was such that I need to do some real business with God to render a death blow to that sin nature. I, I, I needed God to do that. And so I remember almost running down there. The, um, the sanctuary was kind of slanted down like this. And I remember almost running downhill. I mean, like running to get down there. And I came over to the altar on this side. And um, it was like a, have you ever gutturally cried? Of course, it's from down here. Like, like it's coming from deep inside. That's how I felt. I felt like I was dying, literally, like dying. It felt like there was something being exercised. Like there was just some real business going on with God. And when that happened, it was like God took a thing off of me, just like. And literally when, when the Bible talks about taking your yoke or ta taking the, the burden or whatever, taking that load off of me, if that's what it really felt like. like. He grabbed that thing and he pulled it off of me. I felt like I almost was going to float. Anybody ever experienced that? You felt like, I, I felt like, wait a minute, wait, this is a different way to walk. This is a different way to live. This is a different posture that I can have, literally. I, I mean, I'm at that altar and I, have, I felt arms on top of me. This, all this guttural thing going on and, and just everything happening right there. And I sensed and I knew, like John Wesley talks about, 1738, Aldersgate. Remember? You guys remember the story? There he was sitting at, at a society meeting. And he says, uh, in that meeting I felt that I was not only saved, but that my heart had been strangely warmed and I knew that I had been sanctified. I knew it. What happens when there's a death to the flesh when we finally crucify that guy, that God renders this good work to sanctify us, to set us apart, that no longer is it about me and what I want. One of the things that I had been struggling with was this reputation that I had. You know, let me just say this real quick, I digress just a little bit as a, as a point. There are people in this room today, this morning, that you're known by fill in the blank. You're known by that. People know you. People even brag on that point about you. Don't talk to him before 10. I almost felt like that was a badge of honor. Like, yeah, that's right. Don't talk to me before 10. I'd heard people say that. I felt like it was like, yeah, that's right. When I was sitting back there and the pastor kept looking and kept preaching at me, it felt like, that was one of those things, honestly, that I knew God was putting his finger on. You know, let me say this about the Holy Spirit. He'll put his finger on specific things. That's what he was doing. And I remember, I almost didn't want to give that up. That sounds stupid, doesn't it? Does it sound just dumb to you? It wasn't dumb to me. I kind of liked that reputation because it gave me pride. Like, don't mess with me. You don't know who I am. I'll mess you up. I'll yell at you. I'll give you a dirty look. I'll cut you in half. I'll let you know. I kind of like that. One of the things he, he described there was gentleness, right? 
there was like no place to hide. The pastor starts talking about gentleness, and there's no place to hide for me because I knew I was not gentle. People say, you want to hold my baby? No, not really. I remember that. I, mean, I, <laughs> I did a hospital visit one time with a pastor. I'd been brand new born again. He said, why don't you come with me and do a hospital visit? Some lady had just had a baby. And she goes, you want to hold him? And I was like, no, 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 thank you. Pastor's like, uh, let me hold him. I'll hold him. I'm good at holding babies. Uh, he doesn't have any kids. How would he know? He doesn't know what he's doing. Gentle. I was not gentle. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with me. Dude, you're going to have to get rid of this in your life. I remember I came and when I prayed, that was one of the, the things that I prayed about. Lord, I don't want to be that person that nobody can approach before 10 o'clock. And I know that in and of myself, I can't do it. I just know it. I know I'm going to need you to do it in me, through me. And my job will be to surrender my will. I'll surrender my will. Every single time that I get to work, I will surrender my will. And I made that commitment at that altar that morning. I got up and I was light. Now, Monday morning rolled around. It was so cool. Because Monday morning rolled around and, and I, get, I get up at 5 in the morning to get to, to work. And I would just barely make it because I wanted to get as much sleep as I could. That morning I decided I'm going to pray. I'm going to get up at 4. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to get filled up with God's spirit like the pastor said on Sunday. And I'm going to begin to get with God and to spend time with him and have him fill me up. So I had this amazing time. And then in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit says, you need to go to Dunkin' Donuts and buy donuts and coffee for the crew. What? Yeah, I mean, God speaks that way. Did you know that? God speaks in very practical ways. And I remember thinking, okay, um, I guess. You, you talk about death to the flesh. Death to the flesh is not just spoken in hyperbole. It's not just spoken in, in just, you know, pie in the sky type stuff, but we're not going to actually put feet to our prayers. Listen, if your prayer is that you want to die to your flesh, if you want to die to some kind of thing that you have going on in your life, the first thing that God's going to do is have you go and prove that you really want that in your life. Talk is cheap, man. Prayers without actions are cheap. If, it would be better for you to not even come up to pray if you don't have the full intention to actually go follow through with what you're praying about. We, we need to actually take what we're praying about and, and go live it. So, the, so now I'm going to go drive to Dunkin' Donuts. I get the big old pack. I get the two coffee jugs. And he's like, man, that's, that's a lot of donuts and coffee. I said, yeah, I'm going to do this for the guys that work. So I take it in there. I set it up, set up the napkins, the cups, the creamer, the, the sugar, the plates, and just everything. I put it real, set it up real nice right there where everybody, when they come in, it's right there. <laughs> Steve Gill was the first one to walk in. He's like, you could tell the, the gerbil was just running in his the hamster, whatever. He just, he's trying to process what's going on because I'm the first one there. He knows that I'm the one that gets there first. And there's no way this dude bought the donuts and coffee. There's no way. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of just having fun with it. I'm over here on the side over here and uh, just kind of laughing because I know 
what he's saying. So he's over here, and I'm kind of just looking over here trying not to laugh out loud because I know what he's thinking. He goes, did you get the donuts? And I said, yeah. He goes, why? He joked. I remember Steve joked. He, he's a police officer today in Albuquerque, Rio Rancho. But he joked that day. He says, did you poison him? It was a door open, man, and I, I realized it. I realized that not only was there the gesture of buying the donuts and the coffee, but then there was the opportunity to let him know what God had done in my heart, what God had done in my life. The death that I had died was a good one. And I remember I, I, I said, you know, yesterday I was in church, and the pastor was preaching about, and I told him what he was preaching. And this is what happened to me. I went up to the, and I told him about all of that. And I said, and the only response that I have to God is that I want to, <clears throat> I want to live life for him, not for me. I want to shine Jesus, not just talk about it. And, I'm, and, I, and there were some, some people I had to make right with. I mean, I remember having to go to my manager and thank him for the grace that he had given to me for years being like this, being ugly to his people. I remember thanking him. I said, you know what, Gary? I am so grateful to you that you didn't just fire me because you should have fired me 20 times at least for being so rude and ugly. I worked at a Christian ministry, and this guy understood the value of grace for sure. And he said to me, he said, you know what? I saw what you could be, and I didn't want to give up on you, although there was a few times. It got close. And I had this opportunity in a Christian ministry where there were some people that weren't even Christians, some people that were nominal Christians, and God began to use my life for his glory to be able to talk about, listen, you can die to your flesh. We had one guy in that ministry that was still struggling with alcohol, and he thought, well, thank God for his grace. I'm still going to be an alcoholic. I'm still going to engage in alcohol and being drunk, but I just got to settle for that because that's just my weakness, and I've always been like that, and I just have to praise the Lord that he's going to give me grace. And I remember it was crazy. In that Christian ministry, they used to play the Word of God on cassette for everybody in the ministry to hear. And we would sit in a place like this one. We would take time out of our, our week, and we would sit down, and we'd listen to the Word. And I was always the knucklehead before this situation happened. I was always the knucklehead in the corner who would fall asleep. I'd sit in the corner. I'd put my hat over my head. I figured I could sleep in. This change had happened in my life. And I remember hearing the word of God, and it was alive. This guy, Leonard, he was the one that was struggling with alcohol. And I remember I had struggled with my bad attitude. See, it doesn't matter what the thing that you're struggling with. It's a struggle for the individual. It's something that needs to be overcome by the grace of God. I recognized it. And so there I am, and, and Leonard's bemoaning the fact that he's, do, you know, he's still falling in, the, in all the stuff. And I remember I raised my hand, and everybody in the ministry went like this. Like, what? Wasn't that the guy falling asleep in the corner snoring? They had to, like, tap me and wake up, dude, snoring. My wife still does that. Raise the, and the, the, there were people that raised their hands, but I remember the, the president of the company, he like ran. He ran past all the people with their hands up. He says, here you go. I got nervous and 
kind of just butterflies because I'd never spoken or anything like that. I got the microphone and I said, I want to address Brother Leonard. And I made eye contact and I walk over to him. I'm a guy that is not called to ministry or nothing at this point, nothing. And I remember looking at him and I said, Leonard, I just want to tell you that God is bigger than the power of the influence of alcohol in your life and you can overcome it. And grace, the grace of God is such that you don't have to carry that burden anymore, that you can put it in your rearview mirror. Let me tell you what God did in my life. And you can hear people in the ministry, amen, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Even Catholics, there were Catholics in that ministry, that's right, amen. And what started to happen was this really beautiful thing from a decision of a person who figured it was more important to hold on to what God was saying than their reputation. And I'm dealing with people maybe in this service this morning. You're dealing with that. I've had spouses that come and say, Pastor, he's just honoring. Spouses that make excuses for their, their, their spouse. Well, Pastor, you don't, you just, she's, just, she's just this or he's just that. Well, you know, it's just, and we make excuses. And listen. You're gonna, if you keep doing that, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. You're going to keep living the way you've been living. But there's not going to be a victory. Or we can decide, you know what? I just believe that the power of God is bigger than the power of sin in my life. That's what I believe. And I'm going to grab a hold of that. But there needs to be some real dealing with some of these issues that we have. We need to make, make right with God. We need to get ready to die. An apple tree, let's use apples. An apple tree doesn't have to strain to be an apple tree. It doesn't have to strain to produce apples. If it's an apple tree, the natural order of things is that come the right season, there's going to be either some red or some green things hanging off those branches. Why? Because it's an apple tree. Oranges. Same thing, right? Pears, peaches, plums, cherries, whatever, right? We talk about that those trees don't have to worry about trying to produce those kinds of fruits because their essence is such that God created them to produce that specific fruit. A Christian doesn't have to try to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit if that's the kind of tree that they are. If you're a believer, if the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you, these things are going to be natural. They're going to flow forth from a life that's surrendered to God. If, however, we have not repented of our sin, we can't call ourselves believers. You can't call yourself a Christian if you haven't repented of your sin. If you've not invited Jesus to come into your heart. It's not enough that you come to church. It's not enough that you know people that are Christians. We have to personally, individually make a decision to let God come into our lives where we repent of our sin, we ask for forgiveness, and we make him the Lord of our life. And when that happens, you have a measure of all of these things immediately. God will impart these things even if on a small measure, that's what God imparts into your life. And the growth process is watering, 
and pruning and raking and whatever other kinds of things that we do. I'm not a horticulturist at all. I won't claim to be. But I know the basics. But I'm going to tell you that God's will for us is that we produce fruit, and specifically fruit that lasts. And, and if we're talking about then that I lack in this or I lack in that or I need to work harder in this, the issue is not how hard you're going to work or the effort that you're going to give, the willpower that you have. The issue is how much are you willing to spend time with God even over and above when he has some hard things to say, some difficult things to say. If there's something that you need to change, that you're willing to accept that change. If there's something that you need to add or take away, you're willing to do either. But the, the common denominator is spending time with God, grabbing him by the hand and deciding, I'm not going to let go. And no matter how bumpy the ride gets, I don't care how much I have to say no to me, I'm willing to go with you no matter what. Those are the people that grow. Those are the people where you see love, where you see patience, where you see kindness, where you see gentleness, where you see self-control. All these fruit that are, that, are, that are listed, these are the things that people grow. That's how they grow. Here's the end of the story. There's this girl named Ashley who works at the Starbucks. And I go in there. It's kind of like Norm from Cheers. Everybody's happy to, you know, see, hey, Steve, hey, everybody behind the counter. This morning, there was five of them behind the counter, and every single one of them greeted me. It was so cool. Sometimes it's better than church. I walk in, and they're happy, and, and so I come over, and, and uh, Ashley says, she says, are you always happy? Well, yeah, I know Jesus. He's my, he's my Lord, you know. I was lost and now I'm found. You know, these are the kind of conversations I have with the people who work behind the, if you don't want a, an honest answer, don't ask me the question. And I said, there used to be a, a time and a day when I was not nice. I was not a morning person. And somebody behind the counter said, I don't believe that, not for one second. As I walked away from the Starbucks, I started to think about the change that God renders in a human being, if God's the one that's rendering the change. If it's not our willpower, if it's not our understanding, but it's actually the spirit, the power of God. That it, he manifests such a miracle in an individual's life that when you begin to articulate your testimony, people cannot even believe it. That's how drastically different an individual's supposed to look. When the living God who can create universes and galaxies by spoken word just like that. That when he can actually get a hold of an individual, do you think that that person should probably change? If God's the one that's actually grabbing a hold, do you think? There's no way that a person can remain the same if the living God is grabbing a hold of their life. If he's allowed to actually move about the way that he wants to in your life, there's no way you can stay the same. No way. It's not possible. Out of the blue, Leonard, I hadn't heard from him in 30 years, 20 years, 25 years, something like that. He's an older guy. He's probably now in his 70s, upper, upper 70s now. And he says, I, I, uh, I got your number from a good friend of ours. 
and I wanted to just call you. And he, he said, when you grabbed the mic that day, I'll never forget what you said. I, I can't forget what you said. Because it's been my testimony since that day. That alcohol, in fact, I even reject the notion of labeling myself an alcoholic. Because the old is past and the new has come. And I was an alcoholic. And I'm grateful for your obedience to the Lord to let him change you. Because if you hadn't, I wouldn't have changed. There are people in this room this morning that the change that someone else needs, it's contingent upon your willingness to let God change you first. We don't know the end of the stories of people. But God has in mind great things for our lives and the lives of the people we'll impact if we would just do some real business with this guy. I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to go to prayer. And This morning... There might be an individual or individuals that when you read this list, verse 22, you realize about your life, you know what, there's, there's just not this tangible fruit in my life. I mean, when I compare my life against this list, I feel deficient. I feel like I'm lacking. It feels like there's just not this consistency between what I read here and the way I live my life. And if I look at whether it's love or, or peace or patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, this this time here this morning is not meant to hit you over the head so that you have condemnation. It's the opposite. It's that there might be this honest introspection that has come directly from the throne of his grace that he would be so kind to be able to write on our conscience from his perspective what we need. And the good news about what we need is that God is the one who lavishly will supply to fill that void. But we have to come to him. We have to acknowledge in us that we have these deficiencies that feels like there's just not this consistency that we have between what we read and who we are. And so this morning, as the praise and worship team gets ready to play, you know, we have time where... where um, the Holy Spirit begins to woo people, begins to impress upon our hearts that there's that need. Would you heed him this morning? Would you heed him because you trust him? You know, God knows what we need and, and he loves us. 
and he wants the very best for our lives. But on the basis of that, that he loves you and that he's extending grace to you, would you heed him this morning? I'd like us to even stand for the song. And that way it's hot in here and I know that it's kind of been, you know, long and, and maybe we're a little tired, but it's good to, to participate in song and it also is easier to come to an altar if you need to come. I'd like to invite you to come as the musicians play.
morning, Lord, we humbly come before you. We realize that about your perspective, as opposed to ours, it's great. It encompasses all. Your view on us and where we live and what we can become. Your word says that your ways are not our ways. And what you do to change a human being, if we will let you, it, it's totally encompasses everything from an eternal perspective as opposed to something that's just now in the moment. God, I pray that you would help us in our unbelief. That where we don't see how you can change this or that thing in our life, that we would trust you nonetheless. We'll be able to say to you, God, you know, I've not been able to do this in my own strength. I've not been able to do this in my own understanding, with my own willpower. But this time's going to be different. Because now I'm just going to trust you. Now I'm going to lean on your word. Now I'm going to heed what I read in your word. And I'm going to put to practice over and over and over again these good things that you have for my life. The death of the self, the death of the flesh. This morning, God, we, we come before you and we ask you to come into our lives and, and help us to know how to crucify that flesh how to put to death, therefore, anything that belongs to the earthly nature. God, would you help us to know how to do that? And to each person, you're going to speak in a, in a specific way, in a, in a personal way, in an intimate way. Would we recognize your voice this morning? If there's something we need to fix, something we need to do, something we need to take away, regardless of what that thing looks like, God, we're going to trust you when you speak it. My head's bowed and eyes closed, and please, nobody looking around. We're just about finished. You'd say this morning, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't come. The thing that you're talking about, I didn't come to do that. I, I know I need to. I would just pray for your, or ask for your prayers, rather, that I'll make that decision soon. Is there anybody at all with uplifted hand you'd say that this morning? Anybody like that? Lord, this morning as we get ready to go, that you would go with us, that we'd be able to experience your favor in our lives, that we know that we know that you're pleased with us. When you think about us, a smile appears on your face over one that was lost and is now found. We're grateful, Lord. We thank you for what you've done here this morning. And we'll give you all the praise. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have one announcement I need to share with you real quick. I almost forgot before you leave. We're going to have lights changed in the sanctuary uh, this week. And we need your help to lift up all the chairs, stack them up, and put them off to the sides so that we can get it clear in here. We're also going to have uh, uh, our sound tech people that are going to come up here and direct what needs to be done up here. We need to follow their lead as it pertains to everything up here so we can keep the sound good. We want to do that. Uh, but we need your help before you leave. If we all stick around to do it, then we can get it done that much quicker and uh, it'll be a lighter load for everyone. So beyond that, if you're not able to help out with that and you got to go, well, then God bless you. Uh, you're dismissed. We'll see you next week.